Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. I am so honored and delighted to have two extraordinary people who are trying to wake the world up to a massive problem with us today. Alex Lockwood and Dr. Alice Bruh. They are across the pond, as they say, in the United Kingdom. I'm here in Los Angeles, Jane Velez Mitchell with Unchained TV. We're talking about a brand new documentary called The End of Medicine. What does that mean, The End of Medicine, Alex? Okay, so basically The End of Medicine refers to the fact that because we're overusing antibiotics, they're losing their potency. And basically we're heading towards a time where antibiotics won't work or at least won't work in the same way. And this is already happening. And what our film explores along with lots of other health threats is the fact that most antibiotics on the face of the planet are being fed to farmed animals. And as a result of this, we're really fueling this problem. And we're trying to raise awareness of this because it's something that considering the level of threat not enough people are talking about. And this is something that many scientists and many health organizations around the world are really trying to sound the alarm about, but it's just not getting the media attention that it needs. It's terrifying. I have to say, I was listening to an audible book about history and they covered um, the discovery of certain cures like penicillin And the lecturer mentioned in the lecture that the new threat is now antibiotic resistance. And he said in the lecture that the vast majority of antibiotics are fed to farmed animals. I thought it was fascinating that that was something that was mentioned in the history of medicine by um, an academic. If they know about it, why isn't this on the cover of every newspaper uh, being discussed by mainstream media? Well, I understand the question. I have the answer. Look at the commercials, meat, dairy, pharmaceuticals. Okay, the industries that would collapse if we stopped giving antibiotics to animals, and that would mean they'd start dying because they're kept in such terrible conditions. You are a veterinarian, Dr. Bro. Um, What is the fundamental underlying problem, and when is it going to bite us globally like the pandemic did? Um, Well, it it kind of already is. We're just not hearing enough about it. So in the last, uh, I think, five years, the deaths associated with antibiotic resistance have jumped sevenfold from about 700,000 a year, which is already a very significant number, to uh, nearly 5 million a year. So we're already, you know, over pandemic up at pandemic levels of deaths every year just from this um, resistance. And uh, yeah, like you said, I I worked on farms, I was a vet and I was prescribing all these antibiotics and it's um, something which is not talked about uh, enough in terms of feeding these antibiotics to farmed animals. We we hear sort of things from doctors about not overusing them and, and treating individual human patients, but the vast majority are going into, into farmed animals. 
But you say we're already seeing the results of this. Can you break that down a little bit? Because obviously we hear about the pandemic and we hear about people dying, six million people globally dying from the pandemic, approximately a million in the United States. But we don't hear about this connection between antibiotic resistance and death. Can you break it down? Are there stats like every morning on the front page of the New York Times, it says how many people in the United States have died as a result of COVID. Um, Break that down a little bit for us. Yeah, it's difficult to do that because it's it's something that's kind of been an insidious onset. They kind of become less useful year on year and we're seeing more and more deaths and they'll be attributed to the disease that's happening rather than specifically antibiotic resistance or antimicrobial resistance. What they'll go down, down as uh, is whatever bacteria or pathogen has killed that person rather than the fact that the antibiotics that were tried to save them didn't work. Um, so you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. They, there, there has been a study recently released that, that gave that sort of nearly 5 million deaths a year um, stat, which is quite horrifying. Um, and well, I, think that I was- mean, that's right up there with the pandemic and nobody's mm-hmm. talking about it. Now, one of the reasons I started Unchained TV, our global streaming network, is that every day I look at the front page of the newspaper or I turn on the television and I'm horrified that the most important issues are completely ignored, completely ignored. And if you try to bring them up, you're basically told, be quiet, shush. It's either not relevant to the conversation uh, or... We just don't want you to talk about it or it's ridiculed. I mean, take a look at the pandemic. Um, There was an article on February 27th in the New York Times, the front page of the New York Times that said the scientific community has looked at the pandemic and they've studied it. And conspiracy theories aside, we all heard about the lab theory. uh, And that doesn't mean that there weren't bad things happening at the lab, but we've all heard about the lab theory And the New York Times reported that the scientific community had looked at all the evidence that's available and they concluded overwhelmingly that it started at the Wuhan wet market, which is a live slaughter market. Now, you would think, given that hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours were devoted on media across all media to this pandemic, that that would have been picked up by some other media. I looked around all day and the following days and peep, not a word about it. Uh, so Alex, and thanks for looking into the camera eye um, uh, right up there, that little green spot all the way there. <laughs> yeah, go. Um, I, I almost have no words to describe that, that this these crises that are wiping out um, millions of people when they find the, the cause, when they find the chief suspect and the scientific community agrees on it, Everybody ignores it. Um, what what's the what's the threat of that? What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we actually started making this film before the emergence of COVID nineteen, or at least until the emergence of COVID nineteen was reported and known about. And then when we did start hearing about COVID, we thought, well. Maybe by the time we've finished making our film, it will be irrelevant because everybody's going to have to start talking about these things. And here we are two and a half, three, well, not quite three, but years later. And this still isn't getting the attention that it needs considering just how significant the threat is. 
Um, so we're, we're just really frustrated because it's, it's like even when you can go through this huge shared experience of a pandemic, which has affected people in lots of different ways, even that is not a big enough thing to get us to say, actually, we need to start looking at what the cause of these things are. Um, what we've been doing is firefighting, which we've needed to do because there's a problem here and now, but we also have to do that in tandem with getting to the root cause of what causes these issues in the first place, because if we don't do that, then it's just gonna happen again and again, and that's what we've seen throughout history. Um, the bulk of the pandemics and the epidemics that we've seen emerge can be traced back to an animal link whereby humans have had some kind of interaction with those animals that isn't natural. So tell us about this film. Um, the End of Medicine as We Know It. It's a very interesting title because it kind of, there's intrigue there. What exactly does that mean? I was looking at it and saying, well, does this mean that medicine's gonna improve? Does this mean that the medical system's gonna collapse? Does this mean the world's coming to an end? Um, how did you get the idea for this film? And if you could lay it out, not by giving it all the way, we want people yeah. to watch it, but also just uh, giving us sort of the context of what can we expect when we watch the film, Alex? Yeah. So um, I was approached by Keegan Kuhn, who um, was one of the co-makers of Cowspiracy and What the Hells. And um, basically he said, have you, ever, have you ever thought about doing a film which highlights the threat that emerges when we treat animals badly and when we consume animals, the threat of pandemics, chronic disease, and antimicrobial resistance predominantly, and how they all work hand in hand and they're all intrinsically linked and they all go together and exacerbate the symptoms of each other. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I'd never heard anything about this subject like most people. Um, so I went away and did a load of research and I just couldn't believe what I found. And the reason I couldn't believe it is because if there's something this dangerous that has happened throughout history and we're thinking is going to only get worse and worse and the, the main health organizations around the world are predicting it's going to get worse then why why have I had to go away and do this research to know about it so that's when we, I became really kind of anxious and frustrated and really just wanted to make a film that would give people access to this information in a way in which isn't patronizing and isn't pointing the finger but just saying you have a right to access this information so that you can make choices going forwards about what you decide to eat and and buy essentially and one of the big things that we're saying with the film obviously there's been particularly with covid we've seen a lot of attention drawn towards other parts of the world and we say aren't their practices terrible and and look at the conditions they keep animals in and we, we like to point the finger but actually in the western world if you look at our farming practices they're equally dangerous, equally barbaric, and they're creating huge problems that we really want to draw attention to. So I understand that Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara are executive producers. That's extraordinary. And of course, Joaquin uh, 
and Rooney are heroes for everything they've done. Joaquin standing up and speaking before a global audience when winning awards and bringing up this issue, going to the vigil after winning the SAG Awards and other awards, bringing uh, really such global attention to this issue. Where is this film going to be seen and when can we see it? So depending on where you live, if you live in America, you can watch the film right now um, and a whole host of places. So you can watch it on Apple TV. You can watch it uh, iTunes. You can watch it at YouTube store, Google Play um, and a load of others. Um, but those are the main ones. Uh, if you live outside of North American territories, then we're, that's something we're working on, basically. And we're hoping to hear some news pretty soon as to where people around the world can watch the film. Um, what's the response that you're getting? I think everybody's just surprised and, and we've kind of got an uphill battle because with this information, the oh. natural thing is to say, well, why don't I know about this if this information is real? And so what we've really tried to do is follow the science and follow the data and then make that data publicly accessible so that everything we say in the film, you can trace it back to the source and we provide references and links um, readily available on our website where people can access all of this information so that we're not just telling people what to do. We're saying, you know, this is what we've found. If you don't believe it, go and do the research yourself. Um, but I think generally people are shocked to hear this stuff because of those reasons, because it's kind of like, well, why is nobody talking about this? Why aren't my government doing anything about it? And why isn't the media shining a light on it? Um, we've got a caller, uh, Kim in Los Angeles, your question or thought. Hi, thank you. Uh, wow, this sounds like a really good movie. I'd I can't wait to see it. But I, I often use an acronym SHAP, S-H-A-P, and I tell people, all the animal products have steroids, hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides in them. And I'm just wondering, you know, is, is that valid, a valid thing to say? Thank you. Well, let's go to Dr. Alice Brooks. Sure. I think I got it right. No? Just whatever, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, steroids, hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides. Yeah, interesting one. Um, I think the, the laws and the legalities of, of what we put into uh, animals for food purposes are different in the UK to the US. I know the US is a lot more lax. Um, you guys use about 80% of your antibiotics in farmed animals, which is staggeringly high um, on the global scale um, and things like growth hormones, steroids, etc., are not banned there. So there is probably very likely an element of truth there. Um, you then also have to sort of remember that the, the large volume of animal waste that comes out of particularly, um, you know, big factory farms and stuff is then being spread on crops to feed you, which will have everything in it, all the pathogens, the antibiotics, the, the chemicals, the yeah, pesticides, fertilizers, etc. Um, so yes, all of these uh, issues are are creating, I think, probably quite a lot of uh, issues with chronic disease that we're just we don't fully understand at this stage because the, the scale is so huge. Wow, we've got another caller, Sarah in San Antonio, Texas. Your question or thought? Hi, I just wanted to ask a question for the panel. 
because right now it seems that a lot of people, I just was traveling and so many people seem not to realize that I think we're still in the pandemic and COVID. And I feel like we need to keep bringing that up and saying that as long as we keep doing the same thing, that we're going to keep getting the same result. And I just feel like, why are people turning a blind eye to still what's the cause of all this? So that's my question. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why you're doing the movie to try to wake people up to this, um, this horror. And I think you raised a lot of questions for me, a doctor, because I kind of thought, well, as a vegan, I'm not eating the animals. Therefore, I won't be getting the antibiotics. But you just said if you eat anything that is grown in non-veganic uh, soil, um, that you're getting those antibiotics through the manure that spread on the uh, dirt that the crops absorb, which was a real bummer to hear. Oh, God. Yeah, I think as well, it's it's not just that you're going to be get, ingesting it yourself, as we've seen with COVID-19. If a problem happens elsewhere with other people's um, dietary habits, it's going to affect us. You know, if a, if a pathogen becomes resistant to the antibiotics we're trying to treat it with, that pathogen can just spread from non-vegan to vegan. It doesn't matter whether you've ingested the stuff yourself. Um, so these are really issues for everyone, I think. Wow. Well, it makes me want to start growing my own crops in one of those little vases inside mm -hmm. my apartment, which I've thought about many times. And now that's the best reason I've heard to do it. We've got another caller. Paige, your question or thought. Hi. Yes, this is for you, doctor. I'm curious. So you said that you had worked on a pig, um, pig farm and I just wanted to ask you what it was like going through um, veterinarian school and then working on a pig farm and just how you've been able to resolve that for yourself because um, now you're vegan and also how that it's incorporated into the film. Thank you so much for making this film. Thanks. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I worked for four years in the UK as a, a specific pig vet. So I, I worked on hundreds and hundreds of different pig farms. Um, probably about halfway through that, I went vegan myself, uh, having been from a very sort of agricultural, meaty background. Um, and then I've obviously left that industry to be a, a full-time activist. So um, that was kind of the progression. And in terms of sort of dealing with it and going through vet school, um it's been a, a very hard process is is kind of <laughs> the the short answer um it was horrendous like the the farms are absolutely horrendous and i think that something came up earlier about pointing the finger at uh, different cultures and their wet markets and everything but we have pretty much all the same issues here you know we're putting animals into horrendously stressful conditions and lowering their immune systems um we're allowing them to live in cramped uh, areas covered in their own waste and waste of the others. Um, there's opportunities for cannibalism. There'll be dead animals in with live animals. Um, people are coming into contact with all their sort of secretions and excreta and everything. And, and then we're sort of taking them home to consume. So yeah, lots of, 
I went a bit off track there, but there's there's lots of major issues uh, sort of going on that we don't really see on these farms. And right now, as we speak, a trial is beginning for some young people in Canada who went into a pig farm to document the conditions which were described by CTV as horrific, the video. And um, there were reports alleging the cannibalism you mentioned. Uh, The uh, local SPCA did not prosecute the uh, facility in question. And now the people, the young people themselves who went in are on trial facing uh, many, many years in prison. We interviewed them actually just the other day. Um, That just shows you that not only are we not discussing this, if people try to bring attention to it, they are literally prosecuted. We've got yet another caller, Lindsay from Tarzana. Your question or thought, Lindsay? Well, I'm pretty fired up just listening to this. And thank you folks for doing this documentary. Um, It's true. All of this information is being suppressed, but we individuals can get on our social media. We can share this documentary or a clip from the documentary and get the word out. If there's a many, 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 many of us doing this, it's going to make a difference, but we all have to do it. And I just, I'm sorry for getting on a bandwagon, but I'm just fired up from this. It's just unbelievable. And I am, by the way, just one more quick thing. I am going to start a victory garden in my yard because I'm concerned about my food supply. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. And uh, I happen to know that Lindsay's an incredible activist uh, who does so much. We've got yet another caller, Adam in Texas. Adam, your question or thought? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wanted to, to mention the fact that I think, I think a lot of people aren't aware of just how much antibiotics goes into uh, animal farming and, uh, you know, everything from uh, dairy and, and meat production and uh that they are in fact when they go to a hospital and they have you know major surgery or something and they need antibiotics it's not as effective anymore because they've been taking it all their life you know excellent point i think it's the point that the doctor was making was that People are dying. Let's say you go into surgery, right? And you're supposed to have your antibiotics to heal. Those antibiotics aren't working. And then you pass away, God forbid, but you do. Um, The uh, cause is not going to be, oh, the antibiotics didn't work on you. That's the cause of death. The cause of death is going to be whatever you went into the surgery for, let's say heart attack or stroke. So that's why maybe it's not being picked up. Um, Excellent point. I mean, this is a crisis. Absolutely. We're trying to do a wake up call here. And I just think I'm so thrilled that this film is focusing in on this. Thank you, Adam. Um, Thank you so much for calling. My gosh, this is hitting a nerve. We've got yet another caller, Annie and Sherman Oaks. Your question or thought for the panel. Uh, Hello. Hi. Thank you for for doing this, Zane. And thank you for being here and making this movie incredible. Thank you so much. Um, As an activist, I try to convince people. I'd like to know how can we reach out a big volume of people. This movie, of course, is going to reach out to a lot of people. But how can we change doctors' minds to see that they really are getting into this business? Like you've made the connection as a doctor, and I'm 
so grateful to you, but what can be done on our part aside from sharing all these documentaries on chain TV, all the work that we're doing? Cause we're in, in a time where we got to run and not, not walk towards this mission of turning a, into a vegan world to save our health, to save the environment and the innocent animals, obviously. So Thank what you, would Annie. you suggest? Well, um, I, I want to give both of you a chance to answer that, because obviously you made the film to wake the world up. But, you know, it's if documentaries would 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 everybody should be vegan because everybody's seen these images at some point in time now of, of the factory farming, even though they don't want to see them. Uh, it's really hard in the 21st century in 2022 to say, oh, I didn't know, even though people still say that. So, Alex, uh, take it away. What's your marketing campaign for this so that it really is everywhere on, on everyone's lips, like a game changers. Yeah, well, to, to that point um, that was made just then by the caller, I think we all have our different skill sets and our different ways in which we can make a difference. So um, my way is the only way I know how is to make films. Um, Dr. Bruff um, is an amazing activist and can use her experience from what she's gone through to talk about it to other people, which is really different to what I do. Uh, what you're doing in presenting this show is something different again. So I think we all have our different skill sets and it's about how to tap into that. And it is tricky because we don't live in a vegan world. And I know people who have now had the same information presented to them as I've heard, and they're still not making that connection. So it is a tricky one. How do you get people to connect the dots? And I hope that this film can be a component in that. And um, in terms of our marketing strategy, we're just trying to talk about the film as much as possible and encourage people to share the film on social media, um, share the fact sheet from the film so that people know that actually this is all coming from um, brilliant sources and it's not just stuff we've, we've just, you know, plucked out of thin air. Um, so, yeah, we're just trying to raise draw as much attention towards the film as possible. Uh, so, Doctor, uh, you had mentioned that um, the antibiotic resistance isn't being listed as a cause of death. What about getting doctors on this? I mean, you would think that doctors first do no harm, that this would be, oh, my gosh, Antibiotic mm -hmm. resistance, a major problem. A lot of people who are going in for these surgeries or these conditions, the antibiotics are not working. Can't they see that the antibiotics are not working? And can't they connect the dots? And wouldn't they? Is there any way to mobilize the medical community? Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I'm not a human doctor, but I, I'm aware of lots of sort of human doctors, a few in the film, um, that are actively working on this sort of thing. And there's a sort of plant-based health professionals, UK, do a lot of work on that side of things. Um, I mean, they must know, it must be obvious to them, but obviously at the moment we're, we're stuck in a system that is geared towards... Uh, not bringing up the difficult subjects because of the sort of lobbying power of big ag and uh, big pharma and all these sorts of things. So 
It's a tricky one. It was, it was a, it's a tough question from the caller. I think, um, like Alex has said, we've all got uh, our skill sets and, and we really need to use our imagination on that. But I think one sort of important thing is just being aware of the issues and educating yourself to a point where you can have these conversations and bring them up. You know, if you're at a dinner party with a doctor, you can say, are you aware of that? Um, and being able to adapt as well. I think um, I, I've particularly been guilty of this as, as someone who went vegan for the animals and particularly because of, I've seen such horrendous things for the animals, but we have to be able to engage an audience that's in front of us, you know? So if we're having a conversation with people who are not going to engage with the animal side of things, we might get them on health, we might get them on chronic disease, we might get them on the environment. So just having a bit of sort of compassion for who you're speaking to, a bit of a sort of education around different topics and and learning to adapt as we go. Obviously we've we've not won this fight yet. So just uh, some some imagination and adaptation probably required. Well with eight billion humans on the planet the that's why I started Unchained TV. We can't talk to them all individually. We must reach the masses and we must make this a global movement. And uh, I think your film is extraordinary because it lays out the case. Okay, I can go up to somebody and say, uh, don't eat animals. It, It was responsible for our pandemic. It's causing antibiotic resistance, not to mention America's leading killer, heart disease, uh, cancer, processed meat is cancer, uh, deforestation, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, ocean dead zones, aridification, um, uh, human world hunger, because these farmed animals are eating most of the food or a good percentage of the world's food supply. Um, more than 75% is my understanding of all uh, soy is fed to farmed animals. Um, I can say all that, but I'm not a scientist. Laying out the case with experts is what I think uh, is like a powerful presentation, almost like making a case in a court of law. And so on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the experts and some of the people you have in your film. We're talking about the end of medicine. Google it. You can watch it on the major platforms. It's coming to a platform near you soon. It's a much watched documentary. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to janeunchainednews at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Jane Velez Mitchell here from Unchained TV with Alex Lockwood and Dr. Alice Bruff. 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 I got it. Finally. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a block there. My apologies. Bruff. Uh, like Bruff, <laughs> just as you said. Um, and we're talking about the end of medicine, this fabulous new documentary that is really opening our eyes to one of the biggest problems that we face right along with pandemics. So Alex Lockwood, you said this isn't just your opinion. You have the experts. You have an entire website with links so everybody can say, yeah, I don't think that's true. And they can go and look and, oh, yes, it is true. Um, Who are the experts in your film? So along with Dr. Braff here today, um, we have uh, the CDC, we have Professor Dame Sally Davis, who is a former chief health advisor to the UK government. Um, we have um, the mayor of New York within the film. Uh, we have uh, Professor Andrew Cunningham from the London Zoological Society. And so the list just goes on. So what we've tried to do is create like a real um, wealth of um, like a breadth of representation across the scientific community so that it's not just people talking from over here or over there, but it's people saying from all angles, you know, my area of research and study has led me to this conclusion, which is the same as somebody over in the other corner. And um, of all of the weight of those scientists and doctors and other experts, I think that the most powerful interview and the most powerful um, expert was actually Dr. Bruff because um, of everybody, uh, Alice has, she's somebody who has come from working within the industry that we're now criticizing and, or critiquing and trying to pick apart. And the having to go through that transition of, of working in a job and then realizing actually this is really, really detrimental to human health and to the welfare of animals and coming out of that takes so much courage Uh, It's not just like I can just look from an outside perspective and say, these are all the things that are wrong. Um, What Alice had to do is something quite profound. And so when she speaks, I've, you know, I think it it carries so much weight. And so Alice serves as the protagonist to the film, really. But um, yeah, we've got a, a fair few experts talking about this subject. Well, I would love to see some kind of program where doctors across the United States get to see this film um, and special screenings for them. Because I think we've all had the experience as vegans to go to a doctor and every time I go, it happens to me where they start acting like, oh, well, 
are you taking your B12? Oh, yeah. But and then I'll say, by the way, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and 99% of the people taking supplements are not vegan, just FYI. And then they'll say, well, uh, at, it, it's almost like they're trying to make a case against your diet. And uh, it's just such ignorance because they don't get very much uh, education and nutrition. Now, getting to the veterinary world, um, having interviewed some incredible veterinarians who have made the transition to um, really try to uh, reframe the entire uh, industry, like uh, Dr. Crystal Heath, uh, they talk about how most people go into the veterinary world because they love animals. And then they're funneled into these industries to get a job where they have to exploit animals and they have a crisis of conscience, whether it's working in a factory farm or, or prepping animals for experimentation. And they sort of feel like, well, I, I'm going to stay there because at least I care. And if I'm here, maybe I can minimize the suffering. But then they feel like, well, we're perpetuating. Is that a good characterization of what's going on, Dr. Bruff? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's pretty wild, isn't it? Like <laughs> The main aim of a vet, or in my opinion, is to sort of help animals and save them. And that's why most of us go into it. Um, but uh, you end up kind of, um, a lot of what I was doing on, on pig farms was sort of putting animals out of their misery because it was so, so bad for them uh, from a welfare perspective. So um, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of sort of conditioning through vet school. Um, you learn about you know how to make chickens grow really fast and deal with sort of all these production issues that we create for animals by genetically manipulating them and you know um mutilating them and putting them in environments that are completely unnatural for them and we learn how to combat those with medicine and and surgery and it's just not it's not really the right thing is it (laughs) And I understand that a lot of veterinarians are suffering emotionally and psychologically, that that's a thing. Yeah, it's a, I think uh, vets have got one of the highest suicide rates. It's like four times the national average. Um, I think that's in the UK anyway. I'm not sure about the US, but um, yes, pretty bad. <laughs> well, I mean, one of my heroes is uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, who started Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And it was because as a medical student, he was told that he had to do some kind of experiment on an animal. And he said, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took all sorts of extraordinary actions. And it turned out a lot of his other fellow students kind of felt the same way. And that was the basis for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is now growing so exponentially. I don't want to cite numbers, but like literally tens of thousands of medical professionals, doctors and nurses and others who are um, saying, you know, we want to talk about plant-based nutrition. We want to talk about disease prevention. So maybe there's, I know there's our honor that Dr. Crystal Heath started, but maybe that can become more of a thing because I personally have talked to people who are going into medical uh, vet school and they're like, this is horrifying. It's not what I wanted to do. I want, I don't want to hurt animals. I want to help them. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's uh, something that hopefully we can have a parallel organization as big as on the veterinary side. Just my personal hope. I'm not a vet myself. Um, Tom, Chicago, your question or thought for the panel. Hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Right away, this brought to mind Prop 37, which failed in California a couple years ago about labeling products. 
My question was about labeling this and letting consumers know that these animals have been fed antibiotics. Is there litigation behind that or some way to notify people? Uh, thank you so much for being on today and taking my call. Have a great day. Bye. Great question. Alex? I, I would say that it, it just wouldn't happen because of the lobbying power from these food producers. Uh, they don't want people to know what goes into making the foods that they make. Um, they, they, don't, they want us to stay ill-informed, and that's, that's the same reason it's a criminal offence in some states um, to film conditions within a factory farm. And like you mentioned earlier, the actual crime itself, um, well, the abuse itself isn't a crime, but documenting it is a crime. Um, so I think they, really people don't want to tell us what's in our food products. And so whilst governments work hand-in-hand uh, with these animal food producers, I just don't see a world in which um, people are going to be transparent on their packaging, which is a, a shame because obviously we have, um, to your point, we have a right to know what we're eating, don't we? Um, let's talk. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the industry have uh, something called withdrawal periods for medicines, which is like a period between giving an animal a medicine and when they can be slaughtered for meat. Um, for the most part, I think they are probably observed, but that's based on like pharmaceutical testing as to when that meat will be clear of the drug, which, is, you know, it's their own studies. So who knows how good they are. Um, and then the other thing is there will be random sampling of meat, milk, etc. products. Um, but the sampling is such a small fraction of the compounds that could be present. It's just, it, it's nowhere near adequate. Um, to give you an example, the, all the pigs slaughtered in Europe in a year, uh, 0.05% of those were tested for, um, you know, antibiotic compounds and certain pathogens that would be relevant to human health. So it, the monitoring and enforcement is extremely minimal. And I think that's how they kind of get away with not labeling anything because the, in theory, they shouldn't, that shouldn't be in the meat, but. We've like got it. another caller, Nil, I believe it is in Dallas, Texas, Nil. Um, hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is going to have their um, annual conference in August 18th. And I was wondering if, um, if, if you could reach out um, to them and if they could show it, you know, in their plenary uh, presentation it might be a little bit late for programming, but as it is the United States, um, you know, it, it would be fascinating if this uh, 1,000 plus young doctors would actually, everybody would sit down and watch this film. I can't wait to watch it on Apple TV and I'll certainly disseminate it. Thank you. That's a great idea. Absolutely fantastic because yes, then they can take it to their hospitals and find a way to get it out. It's, I always say getting this information is, reminds me of when you live in a repressive society back in the 19th century and people were printing out little things to hand out on a frozen street corner. It's the same concept. We've got to get it out by hook or by crook. Um, I want to, in the few minutes we have, talk about cell-based meat because I went to the Vegan Women's Summit and I was really blown away. 
I kind of come from the journalistic and the protest background where I've seen so many protests. And then here I was confronted with 800 businesswomen, high powered from around the world. And they're approaching this from a completely different standpoint, from a high tech Um, The Future of Food is Female was the book that the founder wrote, and it's all about using technology to solve this problem. And uh, I guess the analogy is everybody was worried. A lot of people were worried about horses, you know, prior to the electric carriage. And there were people who advocated for horses who were abused uh, routinely. But when the electric carriage came along and replaced the horses, that was the biggest leap forward in terms of getting horses off the street. So cell-based meat, I hate that phrase. I should call it clean meat, slaughter-free meat. Um, Where do you stand there? Because obviously you could eliminate a lot of these uh, substances like antibiotics. You wouldn't need the antibiotics for cell-based meat. Who wants to take that one, Alex? Well, personally, I see it as a good thing. Anything that draws us closer towards a vegan world is a good thing if it is made in a vegan way, in a way in which is ethical and a way in which is far more sustainable, then that can only be a good thing. And, and you know, we don't need meat. Um, and a lot of vegans, this is where it's a bit divisive, a lot of vegans say, well, we, we just need whole foods. But really people, and particularly people who aren't open to um, veganism at the moment, They want a meat alternative. And the only way of reaching those people is by saying, look, we have this like for like uh, product. And that's where I think that it's a it's it's a step in the right direction. And it could be the thing that gets all of these people who just aren't open to veganism in the slightest to transition, um, because sadly, people just won't give up that taste, it seems at the moment. Well, I mean, also, Dr. Ruff. It could be made antibiotic free. A couple of things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is the antibiotics also make the animals grow fatter and faster, which, of course, all they do is want to keep these animals in confined conditions. Why? When you move around, you burn calories. They don't want them to burn calories. They want to just fatten them up for slaughter. Most pigs, my understanding is they're killed around six months of age. And uh, I've personally seen many times the pigs arriving at the slaughterhouse down here in your downtown LA, Farmer John. And it's um, it's heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. Uh, it takes me a good two weeks to recover from uh, one of those vigils because I make eye contact and uh, the powerlessness, not being able to, uh, these babies, they're babies. Um, but my understanding is that another reason that they want the antibiotics is not just to feed it to them because they're in such cramped conditions, they'd get sick if they didn't have antibiotics, but also to fatten them up more quickly. Is there truth to that? And is that why critics say that they try to keep feeding them the antibiotics absolutely as long as they can to fatten them up as much as they can prior to slaughter, which increases the chance of the antibiotics getting into the food system. Yeah, 100%. Um, That practice has actually been banned here in the UK, though it was still happening when I was practicing a few years ago. Um, It's been banned since the 90s. Which practice? Um, So if you feed antibiotics at a low level, so like sub-therapeutic level, i.e. not enough to treat uh, a disease, you know, if you're combating an actual disease, Treat, um, give them at a low level for a long period of time. I think the theory is that it kind of um, 
it deals with any gut bacteria that might be using up some of the calories and stuff from the food so they yeah they they put on weight quicker um kind of deals with any like background sicknesses i mean obviously these animals are sort of living in their own waste and there's pathogens everywhere so if you're feeding them a little bit of antibiotics the whole time it's going to be combating that and then that is the perfect perfect scenario for antibiotic resistance because all these pathogens can come into contact with the antibiotic and learn how to evade it uh, learn how to adapt and not uh not be treated by it and that's when we get these sort of resistant bacteria now uh there are concerns about in the news avian flu i've heard people say uh experts who we've interviewed that as bad as this pandemic is it's nothing compared to what could happen with a uh factory farm uh based pandemic because the animals are bred to be genetically as as identical as they can be. Uh, and so when you have uh, wild animals, it's mixing with domestic animals, as in the case of the Wuhan market. That's one kind of pandemic. But if you have a pandemic emanating from a factory farm where all the animals are bred to be as identical as possible, that's even more dangerous who wants to tackle that one? Mine's starting and then Alice can probably continue. With okay. <laughs> um, basically, um, you know, Professor Andrew Cunningham says in the film, it's no coincidence that we see swine viruses and avian viruses cropping up all the time and the pigs and chickens are the most intensively farmed animals on the face of the planet. That's not just a coincidence. Um, the avian virus pre predicted um, to come next I mean, COVID, we saw estimates have around vary between one and, and three to four, the higher end percent um, death rate, meaning that one to four out of every hundred people that caught COVID died with it. Um, potential for pandemics in future have an analysis, you can tell me if I'm right on this, but more so around the 50 to 60 percent death rate. So you can imagine what we've seen from COVID with that one to 4% death rate, um, you know, and then seeing this 50 to 60% death rate, I mean, it would completely devastate the entire um, globe. Um, and yet, like we said at the beginning, nobody's really talking about this stuff. Um, I would love to see media. I was in mainstream media for 40 years and by hook or by crook, didn't make me very popular. I was able to do uh, an, a story on animals, animal rights, uh, pig gestation crates, tail docking, things of that nature, interview some of the top uh, people at animal organizations or new companies like Josh Tetrick when he was starting uh, Just Egg. Um, and uh, it, it, I did it by hook or by crook. But uh, the media is one of the biggest problems. I could say I've been there. I could testify in a court of law. But yet, if they were presented with, with it, if there was some way to get these, the best and the brightest, which, by the way, was a sarcastic title. They brought us the Vietnam War. But if we could get these people to look at this and say, you know what? You got to start talking about it. I'll give props to Rachel Maddow at MSNBC when COVID swept through the slaughterhouses and the uh, rank and file workers were dying at a much higher rate than the general population. She did cover it, which a lot of people did not. 
However, she did not use the word slaughterhouse. She said meat press, meat packing facilities. I actually wrote an email and said, you know, congrats on your coverage. It takes a lot of guts considering the advertisers, meat, dairy and pharmaceuticals. However, the actual name for that place is slaughterhouse. <laughs> so um, it, I'm wondering, you know, that eating animals causes pandemics. That didn't work. Is there a way to get the key decision makers, you know, the people who run the New York Times, the people who um, run these these big organizations like uh, CNN, like uh, ABC, NBC, if there was a way to even hand deliver this document to them to get just watch this so that they could see that they are really abrogating their responsibility as journalists not to cover this. That and and the fact that you have the citations that show where you're like, for example, um, there's a lot of talk about uh, Starbucks with their surcharge on plant based milks, despite the fact that many people are allergic. So I asked one of the organizers who was um, uh, working on that, I said, can you give me some documentation on where do they talk about that? She sent me documentation from the National Institutes of Health. The National Institutes of Health itself says lactose intolerance is widespread and that virtually most uh, most people are lactose intolerant. <laughs> it's like, wow. So if we could show the film to the media and show the film to members of Congress and show the film, obviously, to doctors, I mean, those are the decision makers, the people who determine where our society is going. We've only got a couple of seconds. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Alex? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the way to do it is to to get to the top and to get to these decision makers. Um, but ultimately, um, Dr. Aisha actor puts it quite nicely in the film. If we're going to wait for our governments to do the right thing, we're going to be waiting a long time. And so what we're trying to do with the film is to say, actually, we all have power as individuals, even if the people who should be doing the right thing aren't. We have that power within ourselves to take control by voting through what we consume. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. Getting getting the film out there to as many of these people as possible that are going to uh, disseminate this information is really what we're trying to do. And uh, it's just how to do it. Uh, final question, Dr. Bro, Bruff. Um, sorry. Uh, um you know, you said you're still going to get these antibiotics by eating vegetables because it's in the manure. But is there a way to, aside from eating simply veganically, which is not practical for large numbers of people, to reduce your exposure to antibiotic resistance? Uh, no. <laughs> in a word, pretty much everyone just needs to get vegan and we need to stop having 400 million tons of animal waste on our crops every year. <laughs> That's the UK figure. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. It, but it, it would be less because if you're eating animals, you're getting really a, a big, bigger dose, I would think, than if you're eating vegetables, organic. Yeah, I mean, it's more about it. It's not about the individual sort of exposure within me. It's just more about the general issue of there being antibiotics everywhere, pathogens everywhere and them coming into contact and, and potentially infecting us. Well, I, we're out of time. Thank you so much. It's been so informative. I'm so happy you made this documentary. Anything we can do to get it out, we will. Thank you for watching and listening. Share this out on Facebook. 
And uh, we will be doing an article on UnchainedTV.com on this incredible documentary and the issues underlying it. Thank you so much, Alex and Alice. Great talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Mm